The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. She is the world's most influential woman in barbecue, has traveled all over North America and internationally to do everything barbecue. Not only has she won many grand championship titles, including a world champion of pork and a world bacon championship, she has also taught barbecue to thousands and judges competitions. She is a Traeger Grills pro as well as a TV personality. Her show Barbecue Crawl was featured in over 150 countries. And her cookbook, if you don't have it and you like to barbecue, you need to get the cookbook. Trust me on this one. Diva Q's Barbecue, 195 Recipes for Cooking with Family, Friends, and Fire became an instant best-selling cookbook before its release date. She lives by the motto that life is too short for bad barbecue. And as we get set for Canada Day tomorrow and you fire up the grill, even in all of this rain, the amazing Danielle Bennett, you know her as Diva Q joins us this afternoon. Hello, my friend. Hello, beautiful. How are you? <laughs> I am good. It is so nice to hear your voice. Yeah, you know, this is, you know, I'm missing. I got to tell you, I would have been in Edmonton at least once and not twice by now. And I'm missing right? it terribly. I mean, you've been up here numerous times, whether teaching classes over at Barbecue Country or for Porkapalooza, and we always got to, to catch up. Uh, I, have, I have to ask you, uh, Diva, how are things in Florida? I mean, we're watching from up here about what is happening in Florida with COVID. You know, tell us about the impact on your world. Well, you know, normally, I'm telling you, I live in Central Florida, which, as you guys know, is one of the hotbeds of the entire country uh, of the United States right now. And it has seriously impacted my entire world. Um, I have never been this long at home uh, in my entire career, ever. I normally travel 275,000 miles, that's miles a year on planes. Mm-hmm. And right now, um, you know, we I'm grounded for the rest of the year. And uh, I'm still working for multiple of the clients and, you know, challenging on a lot of fronts from supplies to obtaining disinfectant wipes to um, a variety of products. And I know that Canada has, uh, of course, some of the same issues. We're now, it's a lot easier to get hand sanitizer now, thank goodness. Um, I'm very, very cautious. Um, I don't go anywhere without my mask. I'm pro-mask, pro-science all the way. <laughs> um, and it's it's a day-by-day challenge. I've taken to changing my business um, completely because of this. So now I'm doing daily lives on my Facebook fan page and posting about it there. I'm cooking live on the grills every <laughs> single day that I'm home. And people are loving it, and I get lots of feedback. And I've got tons of Canadian viewers and people from around the world in the United States. Um, so it's been really endearing and wonderful to interact with people that way. So a ton of changes in my world. Yeah, without a doubt. And we've been sitting here thinking about it. And we were talking about coming down and visiting you at some point. And it's going to be on hold for the foreseeable future, my friend. But okay, let's get yeah. into this. Tomorrow, tomorrow is Canada Day. And let's be, for the folks that don't know, you... You were born and raised in Canada, weren't you? Yes. True, true patriot love all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, You know, I still can't sing the national anthem uh, straight in English or straight in French. It has to be a combination of the both. <laughs> and it's so funny because when I hear the whole anthem in English or the whole anthem in French, I'm like, no, it's supposed to be half and half. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I'm a proud Canadian. I, I'm an American resident. 
Um, you know, one of the things is that with my, my business, um, it made more sense for me because I didn't want to open up a restaurant. Um, for the business yeah. that I was in, it made a lot of sense. My parents were snowbirds, of course, and that's why I ended up down here. Um, but I come back to Canada, as you know, I'm in Canada normally, like, you know, yeah. 15, 20 times a year, back and forth. Yeah. And this has really been, uh, you know, and I, I can't complain because I still have a job and I'm still employed, but it's, it's, um, the mental health aspects of it, you know, are I think yeah. very challenging for a lot of people. I'm I'm not alone in that, I'm sure. And I miss I miss Canada. I miss um, yeah. you know going into the grocery store and seeing certain products. I miss uh, yeah. I just miss so much about Canada from coast to coast, east to west. You know. Danielle, you know, when you talk about the impact and how you've had to modify your business model, and one of the things that you've always been really great on is, you know, is is using social media to get uh, your message out, to get your um, your mini classes out that you'll do. Uh, like every single day you have something, you're cooking up yeah. something online, as, as you mentioned. Um, is that, how, how much different is that? Because you're not getting the immediate, you know, the immediate response from, you know, sitting in, in front of a class with 30 or 40 people, you're getting, you know, messages back and forth. Is it, is it more difficult or, or maybe just more challenging to, you know, has it been okay? It's been actually really interesting. Um, I'm going to give you an example. So my, my Facebook, um, when I started all of this uh, and I was home, like I started being home 12 weeks ago, literally I got off a plane. I had been in Australia. I had been in New Zealand, uh, back to Australia, went and taught a whole bunch of classes, did a couple of uh, celebrity barbecue appearances and got off a plane and went, what the heck is happening? Because <laughs> we were already starting to see the impact of it happen in Australia and New Zealand when I was there teaching. Mm-hmm. And I was on the road for a couple of weeks at that point. And got off a plane and went, okay, things are drastically changing. And, like, it was every single day things were changing. And then I, I started going and looking at my business model, which has been, of course, to go out and teach between three and 4,000 students a year with Traeger Grills and with my private clients. You know, um, I work with Duluth. I have other clients like Thermalworks mm-hmm. and, and some other clients as well. And, you know, they're always on the road. And so you kind of have to have meetings. Like, you, I've, I've never been in so many meetings. Oh, my God, gravy. Um, <laughs> meeting after meeting after meeting going well how do we approach this and how do we do this and 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 how do we you know because my company is separate from all that as well so DivaQ is a corporation all to itself Mm -hmm. as well right so you have to fulfill your contracts and then you have to also concern yourself with your own company and figure out how to make the new normal or the new you know we're going to cope with this until we get to a point where we can do things differently again um so one of the things that I've, I've noticed is that, you know, my, my Instagram channel has grown really well. I'm a very much an organic grower. So I've never been, you know me for years. I don't like yeah. stagey things. Yeah. Um, I'm a very organic. This is how I cook. This is what it really looks like. So I don't modify the colors on things. I don't, um, you know, I don't uh, Photoshop my food ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do a lot of that kind of stuff. And I've always been a very authentically driven person. Um, and so my Facebook and my fan pages have always grown really well. So, you know, the Instagram channels, you know, we get 86, 87,000 followers on there, um, over a million views every individual month. And Facebook had kind of stagnated for me because, you know, Instagram was it, uh, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. Well, one day I was here at the house and I'm like kind of going a little stir crazy. I'm not going to lie because I'm so used to being on the road and I don't know what to do with myself. And I'm a girl that needs to stay busy. 
And I literally decided to turn the camera on one day um, on Facebook yep. Live and show people what I was cooking for dinner. Literally, live, on the grill. And boom, yep, yep. And, and it all took of off. a sudden, yeah. it just took people by shock that I was going to do it live. Because a lot of times you'll do, you'll see the videos. We all watch those little food videos on um, yep. on uh, Facebook and everything else, right? And we watch, you know, some of the greats like Jacques Pepin or, or whomever, you know, <laughs> cook yep. their meals. But they've always been edited and cropped and, you know, color corrected. And then they put up this pretty little, you know, montage for seven minutes or whatever it is. I was actually cooking live. And that took people by shock. Well, funny enough, we've been doing it almost every day since then mm-hmm. because the reaction has been so crazy um the fan page has now grown um we just grew another seventeen thousand followers wow. in less than 10 weeks and well, it's all I think real it food. Some... so today like this I... morning I, I yeah i just did my cod with my you know crusted yeah. you know cracker crust on it i did a little bit yeah. of an asparagus dish um, you know, sometimes it's the big meat, you know, uh, it's the world championship pork or it's the big beef ribs, mm. but a lot of times it's like regular everyday food. And I think that really resonates with people, you know, like, like there's, you know, everything that everybody wants to make for Canada day. So here's a meatball dish or here's some fun dishes or some, some baked bread. It's been really actually quite positive. A lot of positivity has come out of that. Danielle. Okay. A couple of questions coming in this afternoon. I suspect that ribs are the, the one of the number one things oh. that you get asked about all the time. Uh, what are your, you know, a couple of top tips when it comes to doing ribs? Well, I'm going to say first and foremost, if you boil your ribs, that's a barbecue sin, okay? Um, <laughs> that is just wrong on every level. <laughs> you don't boil steak, so you don't boil ribs. Um, the reason is is that people used to boil ribs because they wanted them nice and tender, right? And so yep. they thought that if they boiled them, then they would get them nice and tender, and that would be the solution to all their problems. The problem with that is that you're actually boiling out the vast majority of all the flavor of the ribs. And that's a shame because, we, you know, we pay a premium price for, you know, good quality meats and things like that. So low and slow by far. Um, stop measuring by time. Um, one of the big things I always try to express to people is that wherever possible, after you purchase a good grill, and a grill should be a, a grill in investment in all honesty um mm-hmm. once you have that outdoor appliance that you love invest in a really good quality digital thermometer that's going to give you repeatable consistent results so one of the biggest problems that i see repeatedly in um a lot of barbecue questions and issues that people have is the fact that they they read online that they're supposed to be done in a certain amount of hours or they read online that they're supposed to be able to touch a steak and know exactly when it's done um that's a lot of fallacies there because every Every single piece of meat is different. Every single mm-hmm. piece of meat has different amounts of marbling and protein strands, um, different grades of meat, whether it's Canada, AAA, AA, whatnot. So in order to have repeatable, consistent results, especially with you know the big meats like ribs and a pork butt or a brisket, always use a digital thermometer. So ribs are actually done at between 204 and 206 degrees. Um, typically, I wrap my ribs, and of course, we deal with uh, you know, with Fahrenheit um, when yep. it comes to measuring our our meats and things like that. So we typically will wrap our, our ribs 170, 160 degrees, anywhere in between there, and we're wrapping them with foil, and we're adding in some liquids or some other juices or some other you know sweet components or savory components, and then we're putting them back on the grill, and then we're taking them 204 to 206 degrees. 
And that's really simple because you can remember those numbers, right? Um, and mm-hmm. that doesn't matter if it's a St. Louis cut of rib or whether it's a baby back rib or whether it's a full slab of ribs because the meat itself, it doesn't matter the weight either. Um, they're all done at that time because that's when the protein strands have broken apart and you get that succulent deliciousness that is barbecue. Diva, I have to tell you that I saw something online the other day. Someone tried to tell me that they did a brisket, a brisket like a, a big brisket, in about five or six hours, and and I thought, oh, okay. Um, I've known briskets to go for much, much longer than that. I mean, we're looking probably at a 14-hour yeah. one tomorrow. Um, is yeah. you know, when it comes to doing briskets, is you know, you talk about low and slow. Is that is that the magic? Is that the is that the magic right there? Well, here's the thing with brisket. I can get a brisket done in five and a half, six hours. No problem. Mm, but here's, <laughs> here is where the deciding factor comes in. Um, it really does depend on the grade of brisket. Not okay. all briskets are created equal. And that is number one right there. And the reason that you can sometimes get away with doing what's commonly referred to as a hot and fast brisket is the fact that if you've got a Wagyu, which is the most marble mm-hmm. level of brisket that you can obtain, you have an additional amount of moisture that will compensate for the higher heat that you need to use in order to get that brisket done quickly. For the vast majority of people, they don't use Wagyu, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah typically, yeah. we're using a, a double A or a triple A in Canada. Those are typical, you know, you know, standards that we typically have in Canada when it comes to getting briskets. Those briskets should not be done hot and fast. Um, only okay. when you have an inordinate amount of marbling and internal fats to compensate for the high heat that you're going to be using. Because typically when you're doing a Wagyu brisket and you want to do it hot and fast, you're going to actually be cooking it anywhere from 350 to 400 degrees, which is so much higher than you would be, yeah. whether it would be a triple A or a double A brisket. Uh, most briskets are done between 225 and 250 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, there is no one right way to barbecue, okay? But there are some <laughs> definite tips in regards to science and application of meat science in order to get really great consistent results. Diva, my pal Marv uh, texted me when he heard that you were going to be on the show, and he's like, holy, <laughs> you have Diva Q on OMG. I love her and love to smoke. So awesome. And he had a question. He said he did a, a Wagyu tomahawk on Father's Day. He found the consistency yeah. quite different. He did a medium rare, did a reverse sear, but when he sliced it up, it looked so different. He said it kind of looked like spam. At first, I had cut it. I thought he had cut it wrong, uh, but double-checked, and it seemed right. Was that normal for Wagyu? It was tasty, but also did a ribeye, and it tasted just as good to me the five times price didn't seem worth it he's wondering if he did something wrong well one of the things is is that once again not all wagyu is the same either right so there are you know it's it's kind of like a buyer beware kind of issue i will say that there is some spectacular wagyu out there that is worth the price and justifiable um and then i gotta tell you and a lot of times i'm gonna be eating a typical triple a or a prime grade here in the u.s uh, brisket or a tomahawk. I just cooked some tomahawks the other day, um, and they were prime grade, and they were absolutely delicious, beautifully marbled. Even when you're in the grocery store and if you're picking out meat, one of the key things I always say to people is don't look so much at to the grading on the package. Pay attention to the meat itself. You know, those beautiful little flecks of fat is your goal every single time, whether it's on a tomahawk, whether it's on a brisket, whether it's even on a pork chop. Um, always look for marbling first, and that way you're going to be assured of a much more moist end product to begin with. 
Uh, Danielle, I've got about two minutes left with you and about three questions, so we're going to go real quick, okay? Um, wanted to know, yep. Brian wants to know, what's the best bang for your buck cut of meat to make jerky out of? Uh, top sirloin. Top sirloin, all right. Um, sirloin, someone else. Yeah. Um, someone once said, "How do you how do you do uh, bar- uh, bacon on the barbecue without call- ending up calling the fire department?" <laughs> uh, get a Traeger first, so you have an indirect heat shield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I, I gotta totally plug them out there because with an indirect heat shield, um, if you go over to my Facebook or my Instagram, you can see that I keep slabs and slabs of bacon all the time. Can you cook baby back ribs in a slow cooker? Not if you want to call it barbecue, you can't. <laughs> okay, there is that. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, another one here for you, and it's uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of uh, hamburgers done tomorrow. It's Canada Day. Do yep. you have a a special trick for a hamburger, or you know what makes a, a great hamburger for you? Good quality ground beef. Combine two different types of beef if you can, like a chuck roast plus yep. uh, regular grind of anything else. It's texture components. Also, don't add, um, t- don't be adding eggs and breadcrumbs. You're not making meatloaf. You're making a hamburger. Okay? Um, <laughs> always use a digital thermometer to make sure you don't overcook them. And then the other thing I would always say to people when they're cooking hamburgers is that a lot of times, depending on the fat content of the burgers, you might want to make a little indent um, in the center of the burger. And uh, the reason is, is that as the burger's proteins, the actual cell structure, the meat he, like increases, what happens is it tightens up so sometimes you notice it kind of like ends up looking like timbits on the grill you know because yeah, they, yeah, they get like yeah. really really you know uh top heavy i guess you could say so if you just make a little indent like um with your thumb and put a little bit of a uh, of an increase in there um you'll actually end up with a much better more evenly cooked uh hamburger overall Okay, I'm out of time, but I have to ask you this question because I've heard you and your classes talk about it. Does Diva support the 3-2-1 method for, for ribs? Uh, as a base level, yes, but the vast majority of time, no, because there's much more consistent ways to do them. <laughs> Yes, and you can find out. <laughs> All you have to do, yeah, you're trying to. Well done. All you have to I'm do is trying. check out her, her her cookbook, Diva Q's Barbecue, 195 <laughs> Recipes for Cooking with a Family, Friends, and Fire. And one of the things that I love about this cookbook, too, is it's not just meat. There's tons of vegetables. There's appetizers. And your desserts. People forget that they can do desserts <laughs> on the barbecue. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Your desserts are absolutely unreal. Uh, Danielle, we're out of time. We always need more time. Thank you for joining always. me. Take care. Take care of yourself in Florida. Can we talk again soon? Absolutely. Happy Canada's Day to everybody. I miss you all. <laughs> oh, well, we're, we're hope to see you maybe next year, uh, Diva. Thank you so much. Take care. You too, dear.